Well, good morning, church. Um, I have the privilege of bringing the message this morning. And last week, Ange kicked off our Refocus series um, by encouraging us to recharge ourselves this past week. And she did so really specifically. Um, and she challenged us to read John 15, 1 to 8 um, throughout the week. And without communicating, when I heard her say that, I was like, that's the message, that's the passage that I'm talking about the next week, which is today. So without communicating, we picked the same passage. So if you have gone away this past week and you've been reading John 15, 1 to 8, that's great. If you didn't, um, maybe you didn't get time, we're going to look at it today in a bit more detail. Um, but I want to start with a question. Who here likes gardening? A couple of hands. Not as many as the 8.40, or oh, 9 o'clock service, <laughs> um, but still quite a few of you. Um, total respect to those of you who love gardening. However, I, I'm not a gardener. I don't enjoy it. I've never really done it. Um, I've tried to like water a couple of times and my dad doesn't seem happy with my attempts. But I do enjoy gardens. I love going to the gardens. I love sitting, sitting in the garden. I just don't enjoy the process of gardening. And I know very little about it. Um, when I graduated year 12, I got given a plant. Yay. Um, it was a beautiful metaphor, and I gave it to my dad because I didn't know how to look after it. To show you just how little I know about gardening, this is a picture of a plant called a bird of paradise. Do you know it? It's, it's quite popular. Well, for so long, I loved this plant because I was like, if there's a bird out there that looks like this... It's coming. <laughs> if there's a bird out there that looks like this, that's pretty cool. I really like that bird. I really like the plant. Except literally a couple of months ago, I was scrolling through Facebook and this idea of this bird was completely broken because I found out that there's actually a bird that looks like this. And that is why it's called a bird of paradise. Now, it's, you know, it's still a nice plant. It's just not quite as cool as the one I thought it was. Anyways, I don't know a lot about gardening. Um, however, unlike me, my boyfriend's parents are really good at gardening. They love it and they have a beautiful garden. And I was walking up the front steps to their house one day and there used to be a massive tree to the right. And as I was walking up, I was like, where's the tree gone? It's pretty much gone. All that was left was like the stump and a couple of branches. There's a picture of it there. There were no leaves, hardly any branches. I was like, what's, what's happened to the tree? So I walked in and I said, what have you done to the tree? And they're like, oh, not much. We just pruned it. And I was like, okay, I've heard of pruning before, but I looked out and I was like, I don't know if you've pruned it or killed it. Like it looks pretty dead to me. And I could not imagine this tree ever bearing new leaves. I couldn't imagine it growing. It, it just looked dead. However, a couple of months later, I really regretted thinking that because as I walked out of their house, I noticed that the tree now looked like this. It had, in fact, grown new leaves. It grew new branches, and it was actually really beautiful. It had started to regrow. And I very quickly realised that I had come to the wrong conclusion about this tree's ability to grow and its ability to bear new leaves because I didn't fully understand the process of pruning. And as I read John 15, 1-8 this week, I couldn't help but remember the story of this tree and how I'd come to the wrong conclusion. And it got me wondering, 
I wonder if sometimes we come to the wrong conclusions about our ability to bear fruit of the Spirit and our ability to grow in our relationship with Jesus because we have a poor understanding of what it is to be spiritually pruned and to abide in Christ. See, maybe sometimes we feel like we have to produce the fruit of our spirit by ourselves and doing so just seems utterly exhausting. Or maybe sometimes we feel like we're completely incapable of growing any further in our relationship with Jesus or of bearing any more spiritual fruit at all. And I know that this is how some of us feel at at times because I have felt this way myself. However, as I read John 15, I realised that as disciples of Christ, we don't have to feel this way. See, to help us understand what it is to abide in Christ and consequently bear spiritual fruit, we need to read and understand John 15, 1 to 8. But before we get into John 15, I just want to put this passage into a little bit of context. When we get to John 15, uh, Jesus and his disciples have just finished meeting together for the Last Supper in Jerusalem. At the end of John 14, they leave the place where they'd been meeting for the Last Supper and they start making their way eastward toward the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, if you know the flow of the scriptures, um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is arrested and then begins the trials and finally his crucifixion. And so it is between these two points, it is between Jesus being arrested and put in trial and him meeting together with his disciples for the Last Supper that Jesus says the teaching that we read in John 15. And I think this is important because Jesus obviously thought it was important for his disciples to know these truths before he was crucified. So in John 15, 1 to 8, Jesus says, I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Now in this teaching, Jesus uses, uses the disciples' knowledge of a vine and its branches. Now this is something they would have been familiar with and he does it to illustrate the relationship between God, Jesus and Jesus' followers. So I don't know if you noticed, but in this passage, there are three key characters. The first is the vine dresser. Now, vine dresser isn't really a common term we use these days, but the vine dresser is the person in charge of the vine. The vine dresser does everything in their power to see the vine and its branches are healthy, that it's growing, and that it's bearing good fruit. This includes watering and pruning the vine and its branches as necessary. And in his teaching, Jesus identifies the vine dresser as my father, meaning God. The second key character is the vine. Now, in the Old Testament, the vine is actually used to describe the people of Israel. 
In Psalm 80 verse 8, the psalmist says to God, You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. This is no doubt referring back to when God led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land of Canaan. Israel is again referred to as the vine in Jeremiah 2, only this time it's after Israel has forsaken God. Jeremiah 2.21, God says, I had planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? And so as you continue reading the scriptures in the Old Testament, you read about Israel as the vine, but you see that this vine, Israel, fails God. It falls short and it fails to produce good fruit. Now, Jesus' disciples are familiar with the scripture of the Old Testament in which Israel is referred to as the vine. And so in John 15, Jesus identifies himself not simply as the vine, but specifically as the true vine. The implication is that in contrast to Israel, which became unfaithful, unfruitful, and incurred the judgment of God, Jesus remains faithful. He successfully sustains life and he produces good fruit in the eyes of God. See, the true vine is the source of life for the branches of a grapevine. It provides the water and nutrients by which the branches grow and grapes are produced. Without the vine, no branch could grow and no fruit could ever result. Branches on a grapevine are utterly dependent upon the vine. And this brings us to the third character, the branches. See, being fully dependent on Christ for their life as a branch is fully dependent upon the vine for its life. Jesus' disciples are identified as the branches. And as Jesus' disciples, that includes you and me. Jesus goes on to say, He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And so like a branch on a grapevine bears fruit, as disciples of Christ, we too are to bear fruit, spiritual fruit. Although bearing spiritual fruit is somewhat of a process. Now, like I said earlier, I don't know a whole lot about gardening, but I promise you I did some research to find out just a little bit to get us through this next part. So for a branch to grow and bear fruit, a few things need to happen. And the first is that it needs to be connected. In order to grow and bear fruit, a branch needs to be connected to the vine. Similarly, if we're to grow in our relationship with God and bear spiritual fruit, we too must be connected to the vine. We must have a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus said in verse 5, Without me, you can do nothing. And no one whether they're a follower of Christ or not, can achieve anything of spiritual value independently of Jesus Christ. And so if you're disconnected from the vine today, if you're disconnected from Jesus and you don't yet have a personal relationship with him, it's time to get connected. James 5 verse 8 says, Be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. I love that wording, establish your hearts. If we're to grow and bear fruit, we need to ensure that we're connected, that our hearts are established and that our foundations are strongly planted in the true vine, Jesus Christ. All right, so once we're connected, the branch needs to then grow. A branch on a grapevine doesn't bear grapes immediately. Before it can bear fruit, it must grow. 
and it grows by remaining connected to the vine so it can receive energy and nutrients from the vine every day. Only if you've ever grown a plant, the growing process is often very slow. It requires perseverance. And as we stay connected to Jesus through prayer and praise or the reading of God's word, we begin to grow in understanding and in our relationship with him. But it takes time. It takes perseverance on our behalf. So once we're connected and once we've grown, the next step is to bear fruit. See, once grown, the branch begins to bear fruit, but not just any fruit. Branches bear the fruit of whatever plant they are a part of. Now, like I said, I don't know a whole lot about gardening, but I do know this. An apple tree will not bear grapes, and a grapevine will not bear apples. Because branches bear the fruit of whatever plant they are a part of. An apple tree will bear apples, and a grapevine will bear grapes. And just like this, we too will produce the fruit from the tree in which we are planted, established, and abide in. Whether we realise it or not, we're all connected to something and producing some kind of fruit. If we're not connected or established in the true vine, Jesus Christ, we're probably connected to something in the world. And if this is the case, our fruit may look like that described in Galatians 19 to 20. Galatians 19 to 20 says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. On the other hand, if we are connected to and growing in Christ, we should bear fruit that is Christ-like. Fruit like that in Galatians 5:22 to 23. Galatians 5:22 to 23 says, "But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control." See, as we remain connected to the true vine, these are the kinds of things we will begin to have. And we won't have them because we try to fake them or we try to produce them out of our own strength but because these are the kinds of things that we naturally bear from being connected and growing in the vine. Now, once we're connected, we're growing, and we're bearing fruit, it seems like a pretty good place to stop, right? But this is not the case. Because bearing fruit is not the final part of the process. Next comes pruning. In verse 2, Jesus said, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now, when it comes to our own spiritual growth, this is a part I think we often try to hide from or leave out. I know I do this myself at times. Because this part of the process can be messy, and it can be uncomfortable. But this part of the process is also necessary. See, in my research, I found that pruning is actually important for the continued growth of plants. Pruning does a couple of things. It removes dead wood to ensure that living branches receive the maximum amount of energy and nutrients it can. It removes unnecessary foliage from the branches so that they have room to grow. It allows the vine dresser to reshape the branches to ensure they go where he wants them to go. 
Pruning also allows a vine dresser to improve the health of the plant, to reduce the risk of harm from falling branches, and to increase yield and quality of fruits produced. See, well, I couldn't see it at the time. When Cinder and Glenn pruned their tree, they knew exactly what they were doing, and they knew exactly what that tree needed in order to continue to grow and bear new life. They knew it was necessary. And that's because pruning, although it's messy, is necessary for continued growth. And I wonder if when it comes to our faith, if we've stopped growing or bearing fruit, and if we are in need of some kind of pruning today. Maybe we need to let God remove the unnecessary foliage in our lives to remove the things we have been hiding behind. Or maybe we need to let God come in and remove the dead wood in our lives to remove our sin to cut away the dead offshoots that risk spreading into the rest of our lives and ruining them. Maybe we need to let God reshape us, to redirect us in the way that he would have us go. Maybe we need to get rid of the things we have crammed our lives with so that there is room for us to grow in the things of God. Now, none of these things sound very comfortable. In fact, they sound rather scary and painful And they sound like change, and so often we don't like change. However, these things are necessary because without pruning in our lives, we will stop growing in our faith and we will stop bearing good fruit. One of the ways we can ensure we continue to grow in our relationship with God, to be pruned by God and to bear good fruit, is to abide in Christ. In John 15 verse 4, Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. But what does it mean to abide in Christ? Because as I first read these words this week, I didn't fully understand what it meant to abide in Christ. I did a little bit bit of research and I found um, J.C. Ryle and he explained it like this. To abide in Christ means to keep up a habit of constant close communion with him to be always leaning on him, resting on him, pouring out our hearts to him and using him as our fountain of life and strength, as our chief companion and best friend. To have his words abiding in us is to keep his sayings and precepts continually before our memories and minds and to make them a guide of our actions and the rule of our daily conduct and behaviour. And so from this we see that To abide in Christ means to be continually connected and constantly dependent on Christ. So my question for us this morning is, are we abiding in Christ? Are we continually connected and constantly dependent on him for everything? Or are we disconnected and subsequently trying to grow and produce good fruit out of our own strength? This passage in John 15, 1 to 8, teaches us that as disciples, we should focus on abiding in Christ. And that as we abide in Christ, Christ abides in us. And as we do that, we will naturally bear fruit as a part of the process. We read um, John 15, 1 to 8 together at the 6pm service last week, and we just sat in it for a little bit. And then after we'd read it, we had a time to share. And somebody shared this. They said, This passage reminds us 
that we don't have to bear fruit to be connected to Christ, but rather by being connected to Christ, we're able to bear fruit. We don't have to bear fruit out of our own strength. See, our primary jobs as disciples is not merely to do good deeds, to get things right, or even to produce good fruit. Our job is to focus on and abide in Christ. And as I spent time reading and looking into John 15 this week, I literally felt a weight lift off my shoulders and I felt renewed. And I hope today you do too. Because this passage reminds us that not only do we not have to, but we cannot produce fruit by ourselves. We don't have to find or create the energy that we're missing to do good deeds or to grow in our relationship with God. As disciples, we simply have to abide in Christ. And I think that is something that each and every single one of us can do. As we finish today, I want to encourage you to purposefully spend time abiding in Christ this week. Now, I know there are a number of ways you can do this. You might abide in Christ through the reading of God's Word, or you might abide in Christ through worship. But I really want to encourage you and challenge you to spend time abiding in Christ this week by spending more than five minutes in prayer each day. To spend just five minutes out of your 24 hours each day in communication with God. Time specifically focused on Him. You can use your prayer time to praise Him, to ask Him to prune you, to ask Him to grow you. I'm not going to tell you what it is you have to pray about. I'm simply going to ask that you spend time praying. Now, I know for some of you this will be easy. Some of you may love praying. Some of you may spend hours praying a day. But for others, spending purposeful time in communication with God can be a challenge. But I hope that after reading John 15, 1 to 8, you will find it not so much of a challenge as you do it a joy to simply abide in Christ. Because abiding in Christ through prayer and growing in your relationship with Him, you will naturally begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much this morning that we don't have to bear fruit in order to be connected to you, that we don't have to have it all together, that we don't have to have it all right all of the time to be connected to you. But God, we thank you that when we are connected to you, when we have our own personal relationship with you, that we naturally begin to bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. God, I pray that as each and every single one of us spend time this week abiding in you, I pray that you would grow us and that we would begin to see our lives change as a result of our relationship with you. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.